David, a very interesting nugget in Friday's New York Times, Fox News' Janine Pirro, a.k.a. Judge Janine, has a new streaming show called Castles USA <laughs> where, quote, she visits castles around the country. What I want to know is, what is Castles USA and how did it happen? What I want to know is, what is the pitch process at Fox News right now? <laughs> can, I, can you and I just walk in and just be like, uh, the dogs, where did they come from? And just get the green light? I mean, what is it? <laughs> okay, I will give Judge Janine this uh i would love to see some american castles that's a that's a that's a thing i would like to see where i in, in waco texas there is a castle uh just like sitting on a residential block and i think the chip and joanna Gaines own it now but forever it was just sort of back when i lived there it was just sort of sitting laying fallow uh, across the street from a giant cement gorilla that was painted differently for every season. But um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. uh, I always wondered what the deal is with that castle. I don't even know what the deal is. I could probably should, I'm, I'll Google it today. But, they, you know, when you see a castle in the United States of America, you're it's it's normal to wonder what the hell that does that thing do in there? Well, that was my question. How many American castles are there going to be to sustain this show? I know of Hearst Castle. There's mm -hmm. White Castle. <laughs> there's Matt Castle. Yeah. I, I'm running, and there's the Waco Castle with a gorilla across the street. I'm starting to run a little low here. <laughs> also, do you need a do you need an official official designation to be a castle? Or could you and I just build something and say, well, it's a castle? Yeah. Do you need like spin around? I mean, do you need like a, a moat? I mean, what is it? What are the what, what are the <laughs> yeah? What is what is the the, the the definition of castle? Okay, I'm looking. There is actually a Wikipedia page for a list of castles in the United States. And going back to my my original question, I guarantee this Wikipedia page was pulled up or rather printed out for this pitch meeting. <laughs> yeah, printed there, out definitely. There are quite a few of them. There are quite a few of them. Uh, I don't even know how where to begin with making jokes here, but um, yeah, there. I think it's just. Um, most cannot properly be described as true castles, according to Wikipedia. So I think that goes to your point. Uh, they're primarily country houses, follies, or other types of buildings built to give the appearance of a castle. So on diners, drive-ins, and dives, our pal Guy Fieri always does that moan of pleasure whenever he bites into a sandwich. Yeah. Do we think Judge Janine will gaze at the inner bailey of a castle and go, mmm, <laughs> mmm? I think if, if it were my show... I would I would like start every every episode with a Game of Thrones style like I would I would have like a sword and I would point it at the castle and yell charge with the kid to the camera crew and we would all start running towards it. <laughs> yeah, you and you and uh, like uh, Jesse Waters and Judge Janine, everybody <laughs> storming the castle such as it is coming up on today's show why the media started covering the NFL's offseason like the NBA's offseason, plus Lou Dobbs has officially been canceled and two big names are out of the New York Times. All that and more on the Press Box, a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, 
restrictions. All apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello, media consumers. Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker here. Our Super Bowl reaction podcast went up last night if you want to check that out. But David, let's start with something interesting you noticed about the NFL offseason that officially begins today. You and I have talked on this show before. Uh, You've written about it. Bill's talked about it a lot, about how people care a lot more. In the NBA, people care more about the offseason than the regular season. Or right now, we're coming up on trade season in the NBA, and people are going to start caring about refreshing hoops hype every five seconds on their computer way more than they ever you know, checked out the box scores on ESPN.com. It's it's a, just a symptom of, well, a lot of different things, but it is the definition of our modern, uh, the, the way we sort of absorb sports and the modern era. But it was always interesting that it was sort of isolated to basketball, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, it's not isolated anymore. Baseball is obviously, you know, trade rumors are still a very big part of the game, and they function in a different way there. Um, but... In the NFL, the NFL always seemed like they were sort of separate, separated off from that sort of hype hype machine until, well, there's been a slow trickle, but really until now, right? Uh, suddenly, there's every quarterback in the league is available, more available than James Harden was before he got traded to the Nets. Um, and every news story is about the potential for a quarterback, you know, you, it, listen, it, it's not like we didn't, it's not like five years ago, 10 years ago, we didn't have blogs from every team that were like breaking down the 10 quarterbacks that the Carolina Panthers should, you know, can get before next season. But that's blog fodder. Now it's part of the national media conversation. And you can see it. Uh, I mean, the leading up to the Super Bowl, there were, I mean, when the thing that we should be talking about is the Super Bowl, we had national reporters covering where Philadelphia's second-best quarterback was going to get traded to. (laughs) Yes. So the major quality of an NBA offseason, which is now, as you say, leaking into the NFL Mm offseason, is that star players not only change teams, but they change teams pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. That had kind of been an NBA thing starting really in earnest with LeBron James and the decision in 2010. Yeah, And then amazingly, LeBron, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, if not the greatest, changed teams twice more after the decision. (laughs) Talk about content. Well, here you have the NFL offseason. Deshaun Watson, star quarterback of the Houston Texans, wants a trade, apparently. 
The Lions traded quarterback Matt Stafford to the Rams for quarterback Jared Goff and draft picks. Carson Wentz, the second best quarterback of the Eagles, who you mentioned, <laughs> may get traded. The Cowboys have not signed their quarterback, Dak mm-hmm. Prescott. Yeah. So you have all these guys either in play or potentially in play. And that's got to be factor number one. Yeah. To get us from NFL model to NBA model. Well, and, and a little, I mean, listen, there, there's there's a million big stars in the NBA, but the NFL is is in some ways sort of, at least in the quarterback level, more perfectly, perfectly manufactured for this sort of hype machine, right? Because if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, I mean, people care, pe- people will care more about where like Gardner Minshew plays next year just by by default by default by of him being a former starter in the NFL uh than just about any other professional athlete i mean to be a starting NFL quarterback is i mean there's a very small set of these people and you're either you i mean you might have an, a a big you know national profile like Minshew did for a brief period you might be you know, I mean, Dak Prescott is good, but Dak Prescott wouldn't have to be as good as he is to be famous because he's a Cowboys quarterback. That's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these are these are all, you know, so almost every quarterback is a borderline household name. The funny thing I've noticed this NFL offseason is how trades that seem interesting but perhaps not likely to affect the Super Bowl or the main whatever thrust of NFL history. Mm-hmm much like their NBA counterparts suddenly become giant content machines. Oh yeah. Take that Lions Rams trade the other day. How many pieces have you read? Podcasts have you listened to? Breakdowns have you consumed that are about that thing? Matt Stafford for Jared Goff. We had a whole news cycle, I mean, basically yesterday, speaking of the Panthers about the Panthers failed bid for Matt Stafford, right? I mean, we have like all like half of Twitter is talking about how Teddy Bridgewater must feel now that he was like presumably it was <laughs> reportedly offered up in a trade for a superior quarterback. I mean, it's 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 never ending. It feels like, and that's why it's tantalizing. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have all the little things. Okay, how did it affect this quarterback that wasn't even in the trade? How will it affect the Lions? How will it affect the Rams? The Rams going to win the Super Bowl, but I also think at a more basic level, it's the easiest thing in the world to have an opinion about. Oh yeah, like if somebody asked you and I, how did the Bucks? shut down the Chiefs offense in the Super Bowl last night. You and I could answer that question pretty cogently, mm-hmm. but it's a complicated question. It would it would take some thinking and some research. Who won the trade, the Lions or the Rams? You and I could do it like that. It's just, it's simple, right? And it and it's also snackable in terms of content. Like I can I can have a tweet about why the why the Rams got the better end of the deal or why the Lions. Or I can make a quick sports radio or podcast segment on that. Yeah. It's it's it fits our structure of sports right now, sports media. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's all it all just it, it sort of spills off the tongue. When you talk about how NBA transactions started to become almost bigger than actual NBA basketball itself, a couple of things I think are really interesting about that. One is transactions are really helpful to sports media content makers because they eventize parts of the calendar that would otherwise be really boring. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're an NBA writer, NBA podcaster. The finals end. Uh-oh. What am I going to do for the next few months? Oh, wait. A very famous basketball player or semi-famous basketball player is going to be traded or is going to sign with another team. Uh-oh. My programming's done. I got this. This was going to be a slow month. Now it's going to be a huge month. 
And, you know, I think the NFL, I mean, it's funny, the NFL, because I almost think we take some of the NFL offseason stuff for granted. The NFL mm-hmm. figured how to how to how to win April and May. Yeah. 30 years ago. Mm hmm. It's just that they didn't do it specifically in like famous player is moving context, which the NBA does. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly there's certainly been giant NFL trades. I mean, dating back decades, but uh, but it definitely feels like we're in a different situation now where we have a superstar. I mean, particularly we have superstar players who are sort of, uh, you know, demanding or negotiating their exit from the franchise that sort of is identified by their own by that quarterback's face you know i mean it's it's a it's a big deal and uh and you're right i mean the nfl the nfl figured out how to own a couple months in the off season but it but it often felt sort of isolated to those two months it almost never infected the actual the actual season right i mean there's a <laughs> trade deadline but like how often did things actually the trades of note actually happen in the season or were yeah. those discussions even had I think it was a couple of Super Bowls ago. I was down there with Kevin Clark, and I believe that's when Kristaps um, Porzingis got traded to the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. I believe that was during Super Bowl week, if my memory's right. And it was kind of the ultimate thing we're talking about here. Here is the Super Bowl. 100 million viewers, like the biggest cultural event in American life. And there is this NBA trade with a famous-ish NBA player, mm-hmm. but certainly not one of the top 10 players in the league. When he was hurt at the time, and all of a sudden you could watch Twitter and like Super Bowl Twitter was fighting with NBA trade Twitter. <laughs> and at least in the bounds of Twitter, maybe not in real life, but in the bounds of Twitter, they were kind of like like having an even fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and, and let me tell you the other thing. I think another reason why transactions have become so appealing to sports media people like ourselves in sports writing, the future is always more interesting than the present. Yeah, of course. So like that Lions-Rams trade. Now imagine if I presented you with a guy that the Lions drafted in the first round, like a defensive tackle from Auburn. You'd be like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of interesting. But if I tell you, ooh, David, two future first-round picks, <laughs> somehow that's like way more interesting because it's hypothetical. Well, I mean, people have talked about this in reference to the to the Stafford trade that you make, you know, you can trade first-round picks under the presumption that they're going to be high picks or whatever and, and that, you know, Bill Belichick, among others, realized that the first pick in the second round is somehow, or the, I'd say the last pick in the first round is somehow worth three times more than the first pick in the second round, just as a matter <laughs> of perception, right? Yes. Like, I, I'll try to give you two first rounders for that, even if they were like you know, written in stone to be the last pick, people would go nuts. The, uh, but yeah, it, the, the unknown is what it's not just journalism i mean it's what fandom is based on right i mean it's like it's you know, there's always next year you know i mean we, we're we if you knew for a fact if someone told you you know that there would be 20 years before the cowboys won another super bowl that might actually affect your fandom you know in a way that but in like reality if it took 30 years but every but next year could always seem like the one you'd, you'd hang on you know i think about that all the time now in terms of presidential campaigns too we're now having all the teased presidential campaigns for 2024. Mm-hmm. There's a really good chance that a lot of these are going to be more interesting as an idea yeah. than they are as an actual presidential campaign. Okay. Welcome to the Democrat field, Democratic field of this past cycle. Totally. Now the Republicans are doing it. Like I saw people parsing Nikki Haley's tweets. Like, mm-hmm. oh, how is she positioning herself? Is she pro-Trump? <laughs> but she's also different than Trump. And I'm like, Nick, Nikki Haley may have a fantastically successful run in 2024 there's a really good chance that the idea of nikki haley for president will yield more than 
Nikki Haley for president. Yeah, don't stop. Let's not pretend that there's anything we can figure out about Nikki Haley today that makes her any different than Scott Walker in terms <laughs> of like her viability as a candidate. You know, I mean, it's it, it, we'll know when it, we'll know when we're there. Right now, it's a fool's errand. You and I, I think, noticed how NBA transactions were becoming as big or bigger than actual basketball. I want to say around 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. when Adrian Wojnarowski's really coming into his own at Yahoo uh-huh. and then at ESPN later. What has fascinated me is that transactions now dominate almost every category of media. It's not just basketball. Mm-hmm. Think of every time something comes over Twitter that a director or a showrunner has signed up to do a new movie or a new project. Oh, yeah. it's It, it just goes crazy. Mm-hmm. Like J- James Mangold is going to direct the Star Wars show. Give it, uh, take all my money, James Mangold. I mean, here we go. Let's let's do this. I've been so excited. Like nothing has happened yet. Like that's interesting. Maybe that's really sort of telling. the brilliance of what Disney's done, or at least it started with Marvel. Obviously, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they created this this you know never ending hype machine. Right? They would like sign up directors when they were right out of a and actors kind of right after they won an award or just had a had a critically acclaimed film or just did something interesting. And then, you know, they kind of created their own little, little hoops hype circle. You know I mean? They did people just keep checking back in to see the updates on actor. They love director. They love, or just interesting thing. They saw a tweet about. And then by the time the movie comes out, you can hardly contain yourself. It's not just about, you know, seeing Han Solo shoot something anymore. It's, it's uh, it, 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 it kind of hits all the different buttons of obsession. I think that gave it a turbo boost because you can think about it within the cinematic universe or multiple multiverse, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But I also just think that stories in variety in the old days yeah, just became stories for everybody. Like the announcement of a project, unless it was You're like right. Steven Spielberg is going to make, you know, super famous thing really had a pretty small, you know, it was it was intended for a very small audience. Now that just goes to everybody. And again, anything that is hypothetical and in the future is much drives the content train as much as anything that's actually in front of us. My my big one, remember, remember when the Suicide Squad trailer came out a few years ago? Mm-hmm. And I feel that was just like this day on Twitter. Oh my God, Suicide Squad, look at this, this is incredible. And then the actual movie came out and people were like, yeah, that was okay. And it was like, <laughs> wait a second, we just spent like 900 combined hours talking about this trailer and then when the movie came out it was just kind of an afterthought and nobody was like yeah that wasn't very good if i remember correctly the reaction of the trailer led to a recut of the movie because the trailer didn't resemble the movie but the trailer did really well they wanted to make it seem the movie more like the trailer (laughs) right and the the movie was well i mean it might have been worse before but you, you know it was not not probably not worth all the discussion and it goes back to the bite size thing we're talking about you and I can have an opinion on a trailer. Mm-hmm. We can watch that. It takes exactly a minute and a half or two minutes, and then we can have a take on it and say how excited we are and how we can't wait to see this. And it's so exciting. But when the actual thing comes out, you and I can also have a take on that, but that's more complicated. You know, like if you if yeah. you told me, tell me, David, what you think about the Netflix movie Mank versus like trailer for Mank. And then mm-hmm. th- those are just, two different categories of thing one is like oh i love i love black and white citizen kane i'm in this is all david fincher i'm i'm there baby and then the second one is like oh well this is a longish 
complicated story about screenwriting and <laughs> you know, like okay. And yeah. you just see how that plays on two basic on two totally different levels. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a totally I mean one's a, you know, YouTube reaction video and the other one's an essay, you know? I mean they just it, we don't we're not trained to really consume the the latter variety anymore. All right, David, time for the overworked Twitter joke of the week where we celebrate a gag that was so obvious that all of media Twitter made it at exactly the same time. Send your nominees to at the press box pod where they are always gratefully received. How about an all Super Bowl edition of the overworked Twitter joke of the week? Are you ready Sounds for that? Sounds good to me, yeah. All right, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got a big lead in the second half of last night's game, it was an overworked Twitter joke to write, Mike Pence can actually still give this to the Chiefs. Thanks to Eben M. Anderson and Michael Taylor for that. The Super Bowl halftime show starring the weekend, David, was sponsored by Pepsi. It was an overworked Twitter joke to write the Pepsi halftime show, but every song is about Coke. <laughs> Thanks to Kenneth Nguyen, DCC, your friend Mike Nickfield, Aaron McDade, and Lincoln, truly. Did you see the weekend's backup dancers who were wearing the kind of post-plastic surgery bandages on their face yeah fantastic look yeah cool dance on the field it was an overworked twitter joke to write this is the most people have worn masks in florida in months thanks to bill (laughs) for that one and finally i'm sure you and everybody has seen the gif of the weekend running frantically and confusedly through that light up maze yeah bobbing his head around (laughs) yeah i saw some good ones for this Oh, there's so many. Uh, Me trying to follow the hostess to my table at the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) Me looking for the mute button when it's my turn to talk on the Zoom call. (laughs) Me trying to figure out where my $2,000 stimulus check is. (laughs) And finally, I love this. Donald Trump Jr. after his convention speech last summer. (laughs) Thanks to Patrick Horan, Michael G., King Chinook, Big T, and Pickleball Hero. If you launch the next two Super Bowls worth of Twitter jokes... Congrats, you made the overworked Twitter joke of the week. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise 
gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Time for the notebook dump. And speaking of transactions, David, let us do a few media transactions that went down late last week. I texted you on Friday night and wrote, wow, Lou Dobbs was canceled. And you wrote back to me, wait, literally canceled? Because <laughs> he's kind of already figuratively been canceled a billion times. Yes, Lou Dobbs was literally canceled. His Fox business show, which I believe is called Lou Dobbs Tonight. Isn't mm-hmm. it funny with cable news how you know the name of the host, but you're never quite sure what the name. It's like the Laura Ingram, Ingram Angle. The second one took me a couple more seconds to to remember. Yeah, it's, and it seems, and, and I think everybody refers to it by the name of the host, right? I mean, yes. I'm not quite sure what the point is. MSNBC is, is, is messing around with some new weekend programming, and I was just sort of, I forgot what the names were, but I was just kind of having a chuckle over them when they announced them. I feel like, just introduce us to the person and put their name up top. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't need, I know this is odd for me to say, I don't <laughs> need an elaborate pun or even a good <laughs> pun or a bad pun. Um, you know, just call the show Hannity and move on. Probably not coincidentally, Dobbs' show was canceled after Smartmatic, the voting technology company, filed a multi-billion dollar defamation suit naming Dobbs the aforementioned Janine Pirro and Maria Bartiromo. And to me, this is really Fox laying down a marker. You can say crazy things on Fox. <laughs> no problem. No problem. You just can't say crazy things that might get us sued. That's where we're drawing the line here. Well, I don't know if Fox Business has a different, you know, mission statement over there that, that would that would, you know, make it more particular if they're just trying to quarantine the crazy over onto one of the two networks um you know people reacted to this with a level of glee that i would not have expected and could hardly wrap my head around i i frankly you know i i don't love it when people lose their jobs as a general rule but i think it's hilarious too i mean there, there's very <laughs> you'd like to make an exception in lou Dobbs nobody case. N- nobody can conf- nobody combines uh, just cruelty and buffoonery, quite like loyal, quite like Dobbs. He's 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 so, you know. I mean, we we often go back and forth on whether or not people like Sean Hannity are self aware or self conscious or anything like that. But the fact that we're having the que- that we have the conversation that we question that, I think, actually gives a couple of points to the Sean Hannity's of the world. I don't think anybody thinks Lou Dobbs is self-aware i think that he's just fully a jerk and fully <laughs> an idiot <laughs> and it, and he's just so self-serious right i mean he's just so earnest in his assholery that it would that it's i don't know it just felt felt just, but i also think that it's not it's not just really particular to him i felt like some of these some of these victories that we have on either side for the during in this culture war 
lots of people trying to get people fired all the time. And again, I'm not always a fan of them, but they feel, but so often it feels like their people are in the trenches and it's a moral cause. And it's, it's just so important to the future of the country. And then there's something like this for somebody he did it. He got fired presumably for doing a thing that he did not need to do. That was just trying. I mean, just, it was a, it was an idiotic move by an idiot. And it's at a moment where, the result of this is not actually affecting the future of our country in any way. So you can just sort of kick your feet up and have a consequences-free laugh about the whole thing. Yes, I completely agree. And, and that's what's so striking. You could go on for an hour every night and just be like, Hillary Clinton, immigrant caravan, Benghazi, Hillary Clinton, immigrant. Mm-hmm. You just say almost anything on that show. And you would be uncancelable in the television sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And then, but you went to that place. I mean, he apparently, according to the New York Times, brought up the Hugo Chavez thing, and he was in, involved in the Smartmatic thing. So, like, just going there, and then it was like, eh, sorry. We, uh, we regret to inform you that Lou Dobbs tonight on Fox Business is no more. Well, it's it's an interesting. I'm sure there'll be a great some, a great story, you know, behind the scenes about it uh, at some point in the not too distant future. But I mean, it really uh, one thing that we know about Fox is that they at least at least like to give the appearance of having their their talents back, even when you know they might not at the end of the day, right? They will send you off into the sunset with a with a you know insistent lie that this was a long planned vacation, and then <laughs> you know then you update the story later on you know they they but, <laughs> or and, not or just yeah no no on. yeah or then and then they just replace you but uh this is you know this is interesting for the fact that like this lawsuit was sort of dropped at the moment that dropped meaning filed at like the moment like moments before or moments later they they fired lou dobbs now it might not have been a result of the suit so much as maybe a result of Lou Dobbs intransigence or whatever, just insistent that he wouldn't back down or that he wouldn't apologize or whatever the sort of baseline thing he had to do was. Uh, you, you could kind of intuit from his immediate anti-Fox um, uh, moves on Twitter, uh, likes and retweets and whatnot, that he was, uh, you know, uh, upset um, in a very immediate way. Um, I would assume so. But it was, I mean, oh man, it's kind of crazy too. And I think what really makes this story a source of great joy for so many people is that people have been pointing at Fox News for decades and saying, you know, they're lying, they're lying, they're lying. But there's nothing you can really do about that. It almost feels like, and then, you know, Fox just like un- unleashes a new barrage of commercials calling, talking about being fair and balanced or whatever else. And you feel like you're just, you know, they're kind of rubbing your nose in it. And now finally someone's just like, no, you lied a lot. And we're this, at this, and this wealthy company is going to file suit because you, you're damaging their bottom line. And, and they just run scared. Like there's not even, there's no defense, you know, they're just like, yeah, we, we lied a whole bunch. And it's not them, you know, obviously it's not just Fox News. Um, the whole thing has just been sort of spectacular to watch. And here's the bad news for resistance Twitter or anybody who's, allowing themselves too much glee Fox hosts and Fox business hosts turn out to be pretty ir- interchangeable and replaceable. Mm-hmm. People forget this. The entire Fox news lineup has, has turned over. Remember Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Remember, remember like just everybody that was on that lineup that's just gone. And they're like, Oh, let's just do Tucker Carlson instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's lose Combs and we'll just do Hannity. 
Let's let's just let and they they turn they've turned over the whole thing. Let's put well, all, the ang- all the angst about the about um, advertisers leaving and their, their big their big primetime shows being left with mostly just like be real ads or you know I mean just like it, it's they actually are replaceable. It's, it turns out that if you just sort of even if all the all these big name advertisers walk away, you're still doing fine. Uh, it's 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 sort of amazing. Yeah, and they've just continually replaced people, and they've just. It's not been a problem. It's just like, yeah, okay, find somebody else. That would be, it'll be fine. Uh, Lou Dobbs's cancellation caused Donald Trump to issue a statement, David. One of the only, maybe the only thing he said since January 20th, people did, did note that he did not criticize Fox in the statement. I don't know what that indicates about Donald Trump's future media plans, but uh, I'll put that out there. Lou Dobbs has been at Fox Business since 2011. And I, you and I are old enough to remember when him coming from CNN to Fox Business was like a marker, mm-hmm. a sign that things had not only changed, but kind of weren't going back to the yeah. old CNN as dominant days. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, what? Um, he was such a Trump supporter that the New York Times notes that the president even patched in the television host during some policy discussions with his White House staff. So if you were in the White House, the voice you heard from the speakerphone was Lou Dobbs. (laughs) Kind of amazing there. Then, David, we had two big moves at the New York Times. Donald McNeil Jr., one of the Times' coronavirus reporting stars and someone who had gotten to the paper before you and I were even born, has left. Maxwell Tanney and Lachlan Cartwright of the Daily Beast broke this story on January 28th. And I'll quote from it here, a kind of compressed version Quote, every summer over the past several years, the Times has selected some of its top reporters to serve as subject guides for high school students on trips to various locations around the world, dot, dot, dot. In 2019, one of those experts was McNeil, dot, dot, dot. Many participants relayed a series of troubling accusations to the paper. McNeil repeatedly made racist and sexist remarks throughout the trip, including, according to two complaints, using the N-word. The Times initially dealt with this internally and apparently let him off with the reprimand after the Daily Beast report time staffers pushed back and now McNeil is gone from the paper. Oh, man. Uh, this story has been kind of, well, not hard to follow, but it's kind of kind of come out in chunks and, and um, it was, it's a tough one, you know? I mean, the, this, they're, they're, I think the most generous way that you can look at, generous to McNeil way that you can look at the story it seems like a tough call, but, but, you know, we're not, you can't just say, you know, he was been working, he's, we can't cite his age, you know, as a, as a, as a defense. And I think you could, you and I could do that if we're talking about a relative or, you know, uh, dude who lives down the block, but, um, somebody who writes for the largest, most yeah, influential your boss newspaper is not in the obligated country. To com- I mean, your boss is not legally able to cite your age in any sort of HR decision. Right. So, I mean, that, that, I mean, even setting aside that, that little, I mean, that, that bit of legalese, it's, it's not, it's not an interesting distinction. He, he did what he did, even in the most generous way of looking at it, like I said, certainly seems fireable. Also goes to this whole point we've been talking about, about the new power of employees in the newsroom. Mm -hmm. I mean, you read these stories and it's pretty clear that times management knew about this previously. They dealt with it internally, as they say, and they decided that this was not this was an offense that was really bad, but something that could have the, 
you know, was basically worth a reprimand. As soon as the Daily Beast report came out, staffers did not agree and made it very, very clear they didn't agree. And after that happened, McNeil is no longer at the paper. So I thought that was very an interesting uh, chapter in that story. McNeil in an email said, originally, I thought the context in which I used this ugly word could be defended. I now realize that it cannot. It is deeply offensive and hurtful. There was another move, too, at the New York Times. David Andy Mills. He was a big figure in audio at the paper, worked on the Daily and on Caliphate. Mills announced Friday that he had resigned from the Times. Now, as you and I have talked about, some of the stories shared by the subject of Caliphate were shown to be shaky in a very weird quirk of timing after the Times came clean about Caliphate. Mills then hosted an episode of the Daily, according to the Washington Post, Eric Wemple. Some public radio stations that carry the show did not like that. Former colleagues of Mills had also pointed out to his conduct before he came to the Times and he was at WNYC. Mills, uh, on his website, admitted to couple of things. He also added, quote, when my managers there confronted me with how unprofessional behavior, my unprofessional behavior was making people feel, I was ashamed. I apologized to the individuals that I'd learned I had upset or made uncomfortable and I was punished. Mills adds, quote, the allegations on Twitter quickly escalated to the point where my actual shortcomings and past mistakes were replaced with gross exaggerations and baseless claims, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know how much there is to say about that, but That was another big move of the times, and Andy Mills no longer works for the paper. All right, it's time for David Shoemaker guesses the strained pun headline. Last Monday's headline about the lack of Super Bowl tourism in Tampa was bucks, but not bucks. Today, David, we got a bonanza of strained pun Super Bowl headlines. (laughs) You sent me old man winner (laughs) old man winner which ran in both the new york post and the san francisco chronicle the la times's headline was best of all tom best of all tom of course with a picture of brady the back page of the new york daily news was tampa slay tampa slay (laughs) kind of generic but david there's one more very strange pun headline out there it's from the chicago sun times and the key word is goat. Okay. Goat, as in greatest of all time. What was the Chicago Sun-Times' strain pun headline? I kept waiting for somebody to do something with the pirate ship. But I couldn't quite figure that out. Something with the... the um, uh, treasure, treasure chest. We're calling it best of... No, no, like the best of all... Like calling it the boat. The um, boat... Uh, is it just a rhyme? Uh, no, it's a pun. Uh, sorry, I mean, goat. Is it like a, goat. It actually Billy, substitutes Billy for bo- it actually substitutes for boat in the in the pun. Well, really? Yeah. Uh, pirates boat. Uh, no, no, go, but goat is in the headline. So goat. Oh, 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 oh. pirate. So it'd be like pirate goat. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> that's really strange. Co- a boat boat. He has a lot of titles. He has a boat. Huh? A boat. A boat. Oh, a boat. A, a boatload. Yeah. So then the headline in the Chicago Sun Times oh, is goat load. Goat Go- load. That sounds like something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> goat load. Right now, I got to see this. That's fantastic. You could. I, mean, uh, so I tweeted. I tweeted it out on the press box uh, feed. If you want to look it up there. And by the way, in further strain pun territory, our friend Raddy 
pointed this out. The front of the New York Daily News was the bleat goes on. The bleat goes on. So Tom Brady is the goat, but not goat in that sense. Like goat is in the animal and the animal goat bleats. So therefore the bleat goes on. Am I am I unpacking that correctly? That's so weird. I mean, I know we've been saying goat casually for a long time, but maybe it's just the old editor in me looks at this this sports page. Uh, am I, I? I just can't get over that. Like, I know our copy desk would take issue with with using goat in all caps next to load in all caps without like putting periods between the letters of goat or something. You have to differentiate those two <laughs> things, right? <laughs> David, uh, with we, a I've copy never editing seen the, critique yeah, of the New York Daily. I'm just, I just don't think when I think dubs. of goat, when I think of goat, I'm not thinking of. Well, if I saw the word goat in lowercase, it would not. I would not think, oh, LeBron James, oh, Muhammad Ali. You know, I mean, you think it's it's a negative connotation. So to get to bleep, you know, in the other way is just so bizarre. The bleep goes on. I'm not. I'm not missing something, am I? That's what it is, right? No, I'm sure that, that there's nothing goat else I bleats. can think of. I'm just trying to remember what my five-year-old daughter and I have been talking about lately. <laughs> Goat bleats and uh, other animals make different noises. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production magic is always by Erica Cervantes. We're back Thursday with Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio, who will help us understand the riddle that is Mitch McConnell. Plus more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. Later, Brian. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.